0: Content warning. This podcast contains coarse language and cheeky themes. So if you've got kids in the car, colleagues in the office, or a nonna in the kitchen, chuck some headphones in. Who the bloody hell are we? Conversations about
1: immigration and culture in Australia with your hosts, Mel and Sonia. Hello, listeners, and welcome to today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Sonia DiOrio and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Melviola.
0: Hello. Hello, Sonia. How are you doing, girl? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm really excited about today. I feel um, yes. very uh, prepared. I've fallen in love with a new podcast written and <laughs> produced by our new guest. Yeah. fallen well, in love what a hear. strong feeling but it's true it's very engaging it is yeah and you are a huge podcast fan right it's and true. not just of ours yeah of
2: many.
0: <laughs> oh yeah don't uh, so so you're uh, a great judge I feel like I get around a good podcast and um this yeah. has become a new regular for me so I'm super excited for great. today Great. Well,
1: without further ado, let me introduce our guest. Today, we're talking to Jay Ui, who is the creator and host of the podcast Shoes Off, Stories About Asian-Australian Culture, which was recently nominated for Best Interview and Smartest Podcast at the Australian Podcast Awards and won silver for Best Interview. So number one, congratulations. Number two, thank you so much for joining us
2: thanks for having me yeah it's, it's a little it's a little surreal to be nominated <laughs> and to get silver but hey i'm I'm here pinching myself a little bit
1: <laughs> yeah That's it's awesome. so great i mean how how new is your podcast?
2: So it launched September last year mm-hmm. and uh, but I started working on it March last year so yeah. it's been in the works for a while but yeah, yeah so fairly new and like I kind of I make it mostly myself so I was quite surprised that it would stand a chance against anything else out there but um yeah pleasantly you do surprised, make it yeah.
1: mostly yourself but it's quite slick i mean you're you're the host producer writer editor um yes. i mean you're just really making us all look like fools totally. we're just getting out down here and talk
0: and <laughs> that's about can it can i just <laughs> say that when i saw the credits i was like fuck this guy <laughs> 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 it's true it's like so well produced it's it's really it's got like awesome quality to it you somehow find all of these guests like it's not as if you know every episode is you're interviewing one person you're interviewing so many people on a single topic it's just really Mm. impressive so it was a polite fuck you not a rude one yes
1: (laughs) jay's success
0: is not our failure (laughs) it is a, a real gift
1: to the australian podcast community
2: no, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoy it. It's, it is obviously a lot of work, but it's a real labeler of love. And um, I mean, I choose to do it and I love doing it. So happy to be here.
1: Great. Um, For those of you who are not familiar with the podcast, um, the issues it explores are quite varied and um, episodes range from discussions about things such as having a foreign name in Australia, um, the history of racism in Australia to things such as Kung Fu and bubble tea, um, as well as interviews with... Asian Australians doing very cool things so I'm interested to know what were the topics that you were planning on looking at before you started the podcast and what were some of the things that have come up along the way that maybe you didn't initially think of?
2: Yeah so when I was starting the show I kind of just brainstormed a bunch of topics some of them have eventuated into episodes like the first episode on names uh, like Tiger Moms some of them aren't going anywhere and probably won't go anywhere so i've been thinking a lot about migration and i guess stories around migration um I'll, i wanted to do an episode on kind of like the silent slaving parents but i i just now i'm thinking about it and i'm like i think this is more a story episode rather than a topical episode and i'd love to yep. get someone's amazing story around that to share rather than to analyze it as a quote-unquote topic mm-hmm. um but I guess as I started to talk about the show with people, other topics sort of started coming up more and more. And anytime I'm with someone and they mention something, I like quickly whip out my phone, jot down a couple of notes. I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. Let me look into this further. Uh, But a lot of it is just based on experience and chats with people. So, um, for example, the Kung Fu topic was like, I knew one or two people, like really not that many people who did Kung Fu. But I was like, Oh, there's gotta be some cultural element here that I am not aware of. And I wanna sort of uncover what that is. And so I went and did a bit (laughs) of digging. Yeah. Um, and the bubble tea episode was just observational because I walked down kind of near Chinatown in Sydney one day and noticed that all of these bubble tea all of these bubble tea shops had opened up where I thought it was this craze that had died out, kind of was on the decline, and Mm. all of a sudden, boom, they'd all appeared. And I was like. Where did you guys come from? Why is this such a big thing again? Like, I just wanted to understand it, and so there goes my curiosity. (laughs) Can
0: I just say, I love that episode because I started listening to it and I'm like, oh, this is kooky and cute, and then I was like, yeah, this is really taken over Melbourne, and it was it's something that I I'm an avid coffee drinker, so it was something that I've never really kind of a trend that I haven't really dipped my toes into. But the more you broke it down, I was like, this culture is deep. And there is so much politics around it that I had never thought about.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, people will tell you they have like a favorite place and a favorite drink that they get from that place. Um, They're so picky about the way their pearls are done. So I'll go to some friends and they'll be like, oh, this place does the best like milk tea, but the pearls are better at this place. And it is this real culture and this real identity that comes with it. Um, part of me now looking back at it, there's probably more to it than was in the episode because I think the bigger influx of uh, Chinese migration over the past however many years has probably brought a lot of that culture to Australia that I probably didn't realize. And then mm. agents here have kind of latched onto that. So that's kind of a cool thing too.
1: Mm. Do you think anyone ever goes to one bubble tea place and like scoops the bubbles? T- out from one, the other place that they like and <laughs> <laughs> makes the combination.
2: That is genius. And yeah, I oh have not heard anyone do this yet. That is my bubble tea. Idea. <laughs> Someone's um, going to do it now that you've mentioned it. They're going to be like, yeah. I'm just going to make my perfect bubble tea and get yeah. all the, the ingredients that I love from all the best places. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, early during lockdown, I was taking a, uh, a ride, ride share um, and... I remember the driver was saying his big thing was that he was missing the bubble tea. Like all the sh- all the stores were shut, there was no toilet paper, there was all this kind of thing, but he was like, oh, but I can't get my favourite bubble tea. Like that was his, <laughs> his big <Yeah>. pain.
2: <laughs> For some people it's like a ritual, like they go there every day at a certain time or every week with their friends or something. Or, I mean, especially when I was in high school, and I actually spoke to some high school kids when I made this story um and it's a thing for them like it's where they go to hang out with their friends it's like something cool to do after school that's not too expensive I guess uh so I can see why people would be missing it like I don't know it's it's tasty and it feels like a bit of a treat
1: yeah yeah it's like going for a coffee there's like the actual drinking of the coffee and then the social element of hanging out with people and especially if you're young and you can't go to like clubs and stuff there's less yeah entertainment
0: for you yeah um and if you don't drink coffee
2: as well it's a nice like
0: exactly other thing you can have So the thing that I like about your episodes, like you just mentioned then that you interviewed kids that I'm assuming you saw at a bubble tea place. Um, I really like that there's this like roaming kind of reporting element to it. So each topic really feels like, you know, you're investigating um, rather than just commenting on these topics. Do you have uh, experience in kind of investigative like journalism or like, I don't know, video producing? Like what's your background and how did you find, you know, your, how did you find your feet making, find your feet? Is that an expression? find your footing (laughs) uh making this podcast
2: yeah so i am not a trained journalist by trade uh i used to work in tv production which is quite different uh i didn't work in news or current affairs so again nothing Mm. in relation to i guess investigative stories but um i worked on sort of arts and entertainment shows some documentaries and i guess i learned a lot from there on crafting a story and seeing how a story comes together, seeing the sort of voices that you might want for a particular story. So um for example the bubble tea episode, since we've already talked about it, I had in mind, I already knew I wanted someone who worked at a bubble tea place. And then I wanted someone who I could say is quote unquote like the expert. Like and that was the guy who had this blog the way he rated bubble tea. That's kind of the level of expert that you have in that field, but that's totally fine and it worked. And then I wanted an everyday person to hear about their connection to bubble tea. So just even the concept of who you want to talk to, um, I got that from working in TV and seeing the sort of voices that we would want to find for every story. Um, and the other side of it is, like you, Mel, I'm a massive podcast like fanatic, so I just consume, 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 and I find things that I like, and I, I then think about why I like them, and I still... Still, i borrow Amazing. ideas I <laughs> concepts from them i'm like i really like the way that you do your intros i really like your intro music i like this sort of banter or i've seen how you've opened an episode so for example there's an episode of planet money where they open an episode and they go around asking people a question about the topic they're about to discuss and so that's what i did for the bubble tea app i'm like i'm just gonna go on the street and talk to some people and i don't Sweet. do that for every episode but um Yeah, for some of them that I feel like it'd be fun to do, then yeah, I go do it. So that's kind of Mm. my background, if you could say background. Uh, I guess, I guess, main thing is I I like a particular style of podcast, and so I wanted to make that particular style of podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, inspired by others.
2: Inspired. That's a good word. Use that instead of yes.
1: (laughs) 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 Paying homage to other podcasts. Yes,
2: definitely. (laughs) It's
0: it's creative kleptomania we've got to do it it's it's the only way
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not like you listen to my show and you're like oh man this is this is like a rip-off of this show it's it's it doesn't really happen it's kind of found its own fate uh taking inspiration from other <laughs> yes. podcasts to form its <laughs> own identity which yeah. everyone does so I think that's okay
1: <laughs> exactly we didn't invent podcasts
2: podcast. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So I mentioned before you did get nominated for a couple of awards, which is awesome, and you you won one, and you were quite surprised. So obviously it wasn't your intention to do the podcast to get awards. That's just a nice bonus along the way. But I just wanted to ask what was your intention to starting the
2: podcast. So when before I started the podcast, I I had been thinking about this whole idea of Asianness and Asian identity, uh, prior to that, I, I mean, I grew up in Australia in Mm. a part of Sydney that's quite quote unquote Asian, uh, which is a very different experience from, uh, some of the people that I've met in my life who didn't grow up in that area. And, um, I guess I, even at my school in primary school, that was like, I would say close to 80% Asian. There was mm. still this sense that being Asian wasn't as cool as being the white kids at the school,
1: mm, right?
2: Which is weird because we were the majority at yeah. the school. But anyway, yeah. it it's just like this sense that you get um, the way that they talk to you or little kind of remarks here and there, and and these sorts of things you kind of experience throughout your life, and it's hard to pinpoint exact exact examples. I can think of some that have happened later in life. Um, for example. Oh uh, no! I'm not going to say it because it sounds like humble brag. No, no say
0: it. I'm now really oh, interested because uh, you described uh, it that way. Uh,
2: <laughs> you have I'm going to sound like it such now. a douche. Okay, yeah. but um, it's okay
1: because you've given this disclaimer. I yeah, <laughs> okay. so it'll be brag. like, at least he's uh, self-aware. He's a self-aware uh, douche.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> I was, uh, I was, I was with a friend, and I had met his girlfriend uh, at one of my workplaces because she worked at the same building as me, and I didn't know. And then I saw him another time, and he's like, Oh, my girlfriend said that you're quite good looking for an Asian guy. Oh. And at the th- time, I was like, Oh, thanks. And then after, I was like, Oh, hey, wait a second.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a backhanded compliment. Yeah. I know yeah. she didn't mean it in that way. I'm, I'm sure she didn't mean it in that way. But like all these sort of underlying assumptions of mm-hmm. where Asians should be in society and who Asians are in society, they exist in kind of the psyche of australian culture and we saw how that kind of got exacerbated when covid19 came about Mm. we see it gets exacerbated in many things that have happened in history um but yeah i guess having a sense that being asian wasn't i guess quote unquote fully australian uh you you kind of you kind of start to shun or dislike or not want to own parts of your culture and heritage. Like mm. you don't want to bring the smelly lunch to school, which I've talked to a lot of people and they've had the same experience <laughs> of the smelly lunch. Um, or you you don't want to talk about like the Asian things that you did over the weekend. So instead of saying like oh I had hot pot with my parents, you might say oh, I just had I had dinner dinner with the family or something something that's less quote unquote Asian. Um, mm. And so. I ended up traveling overseas for a bit and I met Asians in particularly the US, but also in Canada and the UK who really embraced their Asian identity. And that was like so foreign to me. They were like so proud of being Asian. And I was like, what? Who are you guys? Like, <laughs> I didn't know being Asian could be cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they... But they just fully, fully embraced it. And that kind of just flipped a switch to me that this whatever preconceived idea I have of what it means to be Asian in Australia is like a learned thing. And it doesn't have to be that way. And so I came back to Australia and I was like, no, I, I should be very proud of my culture and heritage and I should be willing to talk about it more. So I became way less shy about talking about these things. And it got me thinking about culture in Australia. And so starting the podcast long way to come back to your question (laughs) starting the podcast was a way to help and educate other Asian Australians on topics and issues that relate to us and I know that they don't necessarily exclusively relate to us but I guess that was my target audience Um, I wanted to educate us them us us I guess uh, on on these things so that we can talk about them in a more informed way but also to celebrate parts of our own culture and heritage because if we don't talk about it a lot, then like sometimes we overlook things that are actually really, really cool about our culture and heritage. Mm. Um, so that's one aspect is education. The other part is creating solidarity. So when you go through life thinking that being Asian isn't cool and not talking about a lot of parts of your Asian culture and identity, you don't actually realize that a lot of things you experience are experienced by other people as well. And so, for example, the explosion of subtle Asian traits is like the perfect example of how important solidarity is. And I've heard this from people. They're like, oh, my God, I found subtle Asian traits. And I realized like all these things that my mom said or that my mom did for me growing up weren't just like my weird family that all of you guys experienced this too. Uh, So, yeah, part of it is that solidarity. And then the other bigger big 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 picture is to try and change the way that we talk and view culture in Australia so yeah. those are the main things
0: these are good goals like these are <laughs> they're meaty you got a lot going they're on meaty. there yeah yeah definitely and, and I,
2: the the vision came first and then the podcast came second so at first with a background in tv production my my first thought was like youtube series which it's very doable, but for the style and the quality of content I wanted to make, I knew it would be like way too much work. So, for example, episode one is about names and how Chinese names have mm-hmm. meaning and what you gain and lose when you adopt a Western name. And I thought about that as a YouTube episode, and I didn't want it to be like a video of me talking to someone for 20 minutes, because I wanted to make it like a mini documentary. Mm-hmm. So it cuts in and out, it cuts to footage, and I was like what do I visually show people for 20 minutes about names? Like, I have no idea. I don't know how to make this. I actually didn't know how to do it as a YouTube series. And so podcasts seem to make more sense as a format just because uh, it's more personal and the audio part of sharing stories is great. And you also get people who don't necessarily want to appear on camera, but they'll they'll happily lend you their voice. And so that's kind of how the podcast started.
1: Um, You mentioned before that you did grow up in um, quite an Asian bubble in Sydney and then went to quite a white private school. Um, So a big shift there. Did that impact um, the shift in your behaviour?
2: That was a really interesting time. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think... I went to a private school in year seven and eight, so when I was 12 and 13. Yeah. And I think at that time, because I had grown up around quite a lot of Asian people, like my friends' parents are not even just all Asian, like they're all Malaysian Chinese because they found mm. their little community here in Australia. Yeah. I mean, they speak English with each other, but they're just so much more comfortable with them. They We had like one Hong Kong family friend growing up. Um, so going into a private school at that age that was mainly white was like a weird culture shock and i think i wasn't i I would say i wasn't ready at the time i'm not saying that i would ever be quote-unquote ready but i didn't know how to make the most of that experience
1: yeah
2: because i didn't yeah i didn't really know how to fit in with those people and i was way more chatty in primary school and then the moment i jumped to high school there i became like quite shy and Mm. reserved yeah um it it's again hard to explain but it's just a general a general culture, the way that people interact with each other, little things like, and I tell people who go to private schools this all the time and they don't believe me, but it's yeah. a private school thing to call each other by your surname.
0: Yeah, I to- I've heard that oh, too. Really? It's so outrageous. But also I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. You were, you know, 13, 12, 13, you know, you've gone from being top dog in primary school to being like the little weenie in the high school. And then you're also feeling othered. Like that's so rough.
2: Yeah. There's a it, lot to it, unpack. Yeah, and, and the whole culture around, I guess, sport as well. And it was a boys' school, so it was a lot of broiness, um, which I wasn't used to. Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: totally. So you went from, yeah, co-ed to a boys' school.
2: Correct, yeah. Um, and And then went back to a co-ed school after that.
1: Right. And so what was that like?
2: Coming, so the school I moved to after mm-hmm. the two years in the private school was... Uh, a co-ed school that was again more dominantly Asian it was like quite an academic school so a lot of uh, sounds very generalizing but uh, it's true a lot of Asian parents wanted to send their kids there they wanted their Mm -hmm. kids to get like good marks so it was even more Asian than my primary school like 90 plus percent Asian Mm. which sounds I know that sounds completely whack for most people in Australia but that is genuinely the makeup of our school
0: I not really. I worked as a, a okay. photographer for schools, and you see communities just. There are some schools that are fall some way or the other and it's not just Asian communities. Like it's, it's really interesting and I think a lot of people just go, oh, we're multicultural, but no, there are some insanely white schools where you've got a couple of token kids of colour and that's just any, you know, anyone who's not Anglo or Caucasian is a token and then you've got the complete opposite way where you've got a couple of token white kids. I think it's a lot more common yeah. than we really give Australia credit for. So that, yeah.
2: But but what's interesting about that is that it ends up informing our idea of what Australia is, depending mm-hmm. on the school that you grow up and the people you grow up around. Um, yeah. I guess going to an all-Asian school is a bit different because you kind of see on TV that Australia is not all-Asian. <laughs> you, yeah. you you know, but if you don't, if you go to a school that's all white, you probably have no idea of all these communities that exist out in the suburbs, like, um, I don't know, big, uh, not just Asian communities, like you said, Mel, probably plenty, plenty of other cultural groups that um, cluster in various enclaves yeah. of cities. Yeah, um, we exist. We're out there.
1: Yeah. And did you? Was that your decision to change schools? Change back correct or was that you? yeah so my right. parents
2: my parents wanted me to get a well-rounded education they sent yep. me to a private yep. school yeah. and after a year that I was like nah this is not for me like it's a very, <laughs> I've had enough it a of very white kids school <laughs> it wasn't just that like <laughs> yeah it was it was like a, a naughty boys school like yeah. these are kind of wealthy Ugh. boys and so they they kind of muck up a lot and so the school is super strict and I'm someone yeah. who does not like to break rules and so I got very yeah. stressed out about not oh, wanting to break honey. rules.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so, that is the cutest reason to feel stressed at school, worrying about breaking yeah. rules. Um, how did your parents react to that news? Like it would have been such a big deal for you to, did you have to get into that school with there any testing for that or it was just like an expensive school to go to
2: um so the private oh it's another humble brag Uh, okay (laughs) the private school i went to i i was on like a partial scholarship that's how Mm -hmm. we got in Mm -hmm. um and then the school i went to after that it was like a selective school in sydney which are these like tier No, what they call them streamed schools um that you apply for when you finish primary school but you have to sit a specific test and then depending on which school gets the most applicants they get like the best students that sort of thing Mm. Um, and so to apply to that school I just had to send through my school results and luckily my brother was already at that school so I think I got some bonus points because of that (laughs)
0: yeah yeah so your parents wouldn't have been too stressed about that then your brother was at the school that you ended up at
2: yeah, so it made it easier. It actually made it easier for them, for me to mm. go to that school because mm. they didn't have to take us to two different schools. Um, but I think I think they, they wanted me to at least see the private school experience mm. to know what that's like before I made the choice because I already didn't want to go at the end of um, primary school, but they, they made me and they, they said at that time, they're like, if you don't like it after two years, you can transfer.
1: Oh, and that's so, great. Yeah. Yeah. Me, which was nice. Yeah, you've just got to see how shit it is before you <laughs> change. <laughs> oh,
0: God. So we were talking before about your episode that focused on racism in the wake of COVID-19 and how, I guess, it's kind of an easy way for a lot of Australians who put their fingers in the ears and say, oh, no, we're multicultural, we're not racist, can pretty blatantly see that since the start of this year a lot of really awful behaviour um Terrible media coverage. There are so many awful uh, instances of racism, subtle and not subtle, since COVID-19 has happened. Mm. Um, talk us through organising that episode and the things that you learned and because I personally was shocked listening to it. Obviously so much you, you can see, but um, hearing some of the personal stories through that episode is heartbreaking. So, yeah. yeah, how did you feel about it?
2: Yeah, so... When COVID-19 came around, a lot of people actually wrote to me and they said, you need to cover this. You need to cover the racism that's happening. And my first Mm. thought was, nah. (laughs) It was like, (laughs) okay, look, I get it. I get it. Racism (laughs) is happening during COVID-19. It wasn't even that. It was like, what can I talk about for 20 minutes about racism During COVID 19, it's that it's happening. These are the things that are happening. For me, that was a five minute episode and it wasn't Mm -hmm. interesting. And Mm -hmm. someone brought up the idea to me and they said, You should talk about the history of racism because that's why it's still around. And I was like, Oh, this is actually an interesting angle to talk about COVID 19. The other part is like, there'd been a decent amount of coverage on. The racial attacks that were happening, every Asian knew it was happening because mm. every Asian person was afraid to walk out of yeah. their house with a face mask on at the time mm. when they, like people, we weren't really mandated to wear face masks. It wasn't a thing back then, but um, we knew it would help. And Asians, a lot of Asians, a lot of Asians are used to wearing face masks yeah. when they go back to their home country. So it wasn't a foreign experience for us to have to do it, but people would look at us funny. And there was this genuine fear when it came out that, if you're an Asian person wearing face marks, something might happen to you. That's changed, I think, a bit now because we're more used to it. But anyway, mm. sorry, back on topic. Um, Someone brought up the, the idea of history and I was like, okay, let me look into this. I did a bit of reading. I got in touch with the historians that you heard in the episode and they were honestly just fantastic. And, you know, you said that you were shocked, Mel, but for me, even doing the interviews, like I came out of the first interview and I felt emotional mm. and... Mm. Partly it was because I personally didn't know the extent of the racism in our history, and also partly because I'd never actually heard a white person admit that we're a racist country before. Weirdly. Mm. And it was just so cathartic to hear a historian, someone who studied this stuff, to actually just say, look, this hasn't gone away. It's still here. Um, It's just lying underneath, and it takes something like this for it to come out again. And, like... All of these things are opinions. You're allowed to have the opinion that we're not a racist country, but I guess the point of the episode was to show how when you have this history where racism is in our law and it's kind of very normal for a society, it's hard to think that that's just gone away in 50 years. Yep.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: It, totally. Even though the law's not there, like the underlying sentiment doesn't just disappear like that.
0: Oh totally and look it re- it reflects in the treatment of indigenous people even now it re- it's Correct. it reflects in so many different forms that it's outrageous that you could say that that we're not racist um yeah. but yeah i mean <sighs> yeah <laughs> I, i'm getting emotional now oh, talking
2: about it sorry to be honest I'm like, like and, and the first time no it's totally yeah. fine cuz even when i was Cutting writing the episode mm. I got emotional again. Mm. Cutting the episode I got emotional again. Hearing it all put together, I was like, oh. Uh. <laughs> um and there was that one line that one historian said, and I know a lot of people won't agree when like I asked her about the whole idea of multiculturalism, yep. and she says, I love the idea, but no, it's it's mm. not true. And I had a friend message me who is Asian, and he's like, I disagree with her. I'm like, that's okay. You're allowed to disagree with her. It's a point yeah. of view. At least yeah. you heard it out.
1: That was something that really hit me and I was like woof Mm. yeah I mean there's a debate where some people say yes and some people say we're no we're not but that was a really eye-opening moment for me and sort of examined like we have all these festivals and events and um you know Chinatown is so um uh, awesome in Melbourne and we've got the Chinese Museum and then there's so many festivals for other cultures but what, um, what does that actually do for, you know, combating racism and negative attitudes towards cultures? And isn't that the end goal of being multicultural? So, yeah, that was a really, um, really great um, point that she made. Um, great episode once again. Thank you.
2: Yeah, it, it was for me too, mm. actually, when she said that. I was like, huh. I've never heard anyone, like, outright say no. Yeah.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah.
2: And well, it made music. She,
0: totally. And, like, this is someone who studied this. Like, when you hear it from an academic, you've got to, you've got to be taken aback. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think this is the reason why I really like your show and I've listened to as much as I have quite quickly is because you go from really interesting topics that I've never really pulled apart Um, and then you have some really like fun kitschy episodes like the bubble tea episode and then you've got an episode like this COVID one that just hits you in the guts there's like a really beautiful mix of topics Um, and it's really awesome to see that progression as well through your seasons so listeners please do yourself a favor subscribe like rate shoes off it's great fabulous do yourself a favor thank you
2: thank you and it's funny because, like, I've had um, non Asian friends who've listened to the episode and they'll just say things, come up, they'll message me and they'll be like, Jay, I did not know tutoring was a thing. Like, they just had no concept of its existence. And I was like, yeah, yeah man, everyone I knew went to tutoring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's just like, a hey, let's have a take a peek into this other side of Australia that you might not know that much about.
1: Yeah. And I guess yeah, it also totally. comes back to what you were mentioning before of your own experience and where you are living in this country. You know, you might have a very, yeah, different experience if you are living in a place where it is multicultural and people from all different parts of the world have migrated or if it is a um, small town where it's, you know, fully white Australians. Um, I guess uh the yeah yeah the, the 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 attitudes and the welcoming nature uh is different throughout the country um but I think we've got to look at um as a whole what messages are coming from the top from our politicians from our media and uh what what kind of um, impact that has on people and really if we know the history, um, we, you know, listen to your podcast episode, you can hear the history, listen to many, many other things. The history is there, it's fact, and nothing has been done to repair that. So it's
0: not just going to go away, you know?
2: Yeah, Exactly.
0: Um, early on in your first season, you have this really awesome episode about queer culture in Sydney, um, and kind of your experiences as an Asian man on Grindr and kind of dating and how there's this real high expectation in, I guess, gay communities of kind of like white beauty standards, um, and the struggles of dating outside of that. Tell me, how was that kind of investigating that topic and,
2: yeah.
0: oof, it's, okay, it's heavy, can I-
2: yeah, can I just ask, are you guys, were you guys aware of this before the episode? Yes. 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 Okay,
0: uh, cool. Uh, I was shocked by the phrase, no rice, no spice. I'd never heard that before, but I had right. heard of, you know, of gay men being picky and very kind of keen on this white, white beauty standard. Well, picky, yeah. racist. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah completely. Yeah. By no means did I mean that any mm. other way.
2: So, so this topic stemmed from discussions that I have with some of my gay friends, where they, they, they stake that a racial preference is not racist and it's just a preference. Mm-hmm. And I, and I keep coming, I kept coming back to this, like, I, let I me, mean, what am I saying? Uh, and it, it, never felt right to me, but I never had any like solid proof or argument to go with, mm-hmm. except that I would say to, the, I would say to them. Look at the look at who is mostly being discriminated against, and look look at who is mostly being favored. I'm sure you can argue on an individual level that it's a preference. but when you see a pattern happening across like a whole group, then you know that it's not it can't purely just be a preference. So that's where the idea came from. And I started being a super nerd and reading academic <laughs> papers. And I read a bunch <laughs> that were based on u s. statistics, and they, but great, super interesting, talked about um, the the rankings, the perceptions of different races, like Latinos, Blacks, Whites, Asians. But I wanted to find one that was specifically for the Australian context because we don't have as big of a Black population and we don't have the same stigma around that. Um, we don't have the same perceptions of Latino people here. And, and our views of Aboriginal people here are different from the views of the... Um, first nations people in the u.s and so i just wanted to find an australian mm-hmm. study and i did and i was so excited when i found it and i found his paper i read his paper and i reached out to contact him being like please 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 talk to me <laughs> <laughs> and so this is Denton calendar he was super lovely and agreed um and he just talked about it in such a non-confrontational way um mm-hmm. about how when your prejudices reflect like wider social um, racial prejudices that it's hard to say that they're literally random, mm. quote-unquote random preferences. Mm. And here's an example which I still come back to with my friends is that if all our preferences were truly just our own and completely random, then you would see an even spread across the board of racial preference, and you yeah. don't. Consistently you don't see that. Um, and it was a way of, I guess, validating how I had felt that um you, you used to see on dating apps the, the phrase no rice no spice or not into asians mm. it's very very common and like the one one time here and there you're kind of like oh, okay here's an into to me but when you see it again and again and again like for sure it it hits at your self-esteem and denton alludes to this he couldn't he didn't have strong 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 evidence of it but it means that you probably lower your standards and you probably take more risks in terms of who you meet, who you hook up with. Um, it, it does affect those things. Um, so I guess I just wanted to find that data to talk about it from, from that point of view to explain why these, why we have these preferences, uh, why maybe they're not okay. Why mm. I'm not saying that we should all just like, well, Oh, I can't help it. I only like this, this particular race, it's it's not that you need to like stop, stop dating that race. It's just like, hey, let's just examine, think about where these have come from. Yeah. Maybe con- just consider something else instead of being, I think especially in the gay community, it's just very accepted that this is okay and that's what I wasn't right. okay with, that it was so accepted.
0: Yeah. Totally. Oh, A little bit of self-reflection for everyone, but also like what you're asking is not crazy. It's very much like it's it's questioning a culture but also like one that is so blatant and so unapologetic for hate like it's just crazy mm. to me
2: yeah and and i mean grinder i think a lot of the apps have um said that you can't use those phrases anymore but it doesn't mean that that sentiment goes away it's just before people were very very upfront about it and it was accepted mm. and i think socially now if someone if I was hanging out with someone and they just mentioned they're not into Asians, most people wouldn't blink an eye at that. Like that, It's like, oh, okay, it's not your thing.
1: Yeah, right. So, where can our listeners find your podcast and find more info about it?
2: Yeah, so the website is shoesoff.net. If you add the slash links, then you get links to all the podcast platforms. On Facebook and Instagram, I'm at shoesoffau. Um, or you could just search shoesoff on your favorite podcast platform, I'm sure. It'll pop up.
1: Yep great uh yeah. thank you so much for joining us um it's been awesome thanks for having
2: me this has been it's, fun it's so yeah.
1: it's so great once again we highly recommend the pro uh the <laughs> program <laughs> the <laughs> podcast <laughs> and all of the episodes thank you so much for listening to us uh we're in the midst of creating season four we're loving it if you would like to help us make more episodes you can find us on patreon and for a few bucks a month we will give you a shout out on the show you will get a bonus episode and you'll get our fortnightly newsletter thank you so much for listening once again and goodbye
0: ciao Bye.
1: thanks for listening to who the bloody hell are we if you like what you're hearing subscribe rate and review us on your podcast app of choice audio production and original music is by andre christodoulou search for us on facebook for more information about our guests fun content and to keep the conversation going.